Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Churches Podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message from one of our teaching pastors here at Active Churches. We are online and we are also in person. So we'd love to have you gather with us 9 a.m. and 1045 here at our Ukaipa location or online on YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into our message.
Hey, do you remember the first time that you said those three powerful words in relationship? You know the three powerful words I'm talking about? I want food. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The, the three powerful words are I love you. Do you remember the first time you said that in a relationship? You said that to the person that you love, or maybe they said that to you. Emotions were high, feelings were stirred, your heart was beating, and you said to them, I love you. Or they said to you, I love you. Do you remember the first time you heard those words or said those words? Did you ever consider what those words actually mean? Maybe you did, and that's why you said, I love you, because you wanted them to know how you felt and you understood the meaning. Have you ever considered what those words actually cause you to do? Like what does your life look like if you are in love? My grandpa would always say to me, Michael, if you wanna know what somebody means by what they say, watch what they do. In other words, if you wanna know if somebody takes their words serious, look at their life, look at their behavior, look at their actions. And so today, I wanna to talk about love. I wanna talk about what it is, I wanna talk about what it causes us to do. I wanna talk about how we live in love in our romantic relationships. And if you're joining us for the first time, my name is Mike, I serve as the lead pastor here at Active, and we're in the middle of a series called Love, Dates, and Heartbreaks. And we're talking about how to become the person worth looking for and become the person worth staying for if you're in a relationship. And so this is for single people, this is for people who are dating, these, this is for people who are coupling, those that are engaged, those that are married for a short time, maybe a long time, those that want to get married again, maybe the first marriage didn't work out. Wherever you find yourself, we know that relationships are complicated. And we believe this conversation can be really helpful to you. So today I wanna to talk about love. I wanna talk about what it is and what it does. And I wanna start not with our definition of love, but I actually want to start with the definition that Jesus gives us. See, he is God in the flesh and God is love. He created it. He defined it. And through the person and work of Jesus, we understand it. And then Jesus said something to his first disciples and to you and to me as followers of Jesus that should lead our life and motivate our life and drive us forward. And in fact, he says something that should influence our romantic relationships. John, who spent three years with Jesus, wrote it down. And he said that when we were sitting together, Jesus shared these words in John 15, verse 12. Jesus said, my command is this, that you should love each other as I have loved you. So he invites us to love one another, which is something that we all want, right? But he says, here's how you should do it. You should love each other as I, Jesus, have loved you. I laid my life down for you and then I picked my life back up. I resurrected from the grave. I brought forgiveness and freedom. I want you to love like I have loved you. What I love about what Jesus says here is that he, first he defines it for us and then what he does is he helps us to see it and know it and know when we're experiencing it. He gives his first followers and you and I a, a full picture of what love looks like. He opens our eyes to it and then Paul, comes along later, he's a follower of Jesus, he wrote most of the New Testament. And Paul actually takes this command and drops it into our romantic relationships. And then he begins to help us understand what love looks like, as defined by Jesus, in our relationships, in everyday life, in the real world. And so what I wanna do in our next few minutes is I wanna take you to what Paul says love is and love does, so that we can have our eyes opened to love. So that when we say, I love you, to the person we're in a relationship with, we'll know what we're saying and we'll know what it causes us to do, what it invites us to become. 
All right? So if you have a Bible with you or if you have the Bible app near you, would you turn to the document, the letter of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to be in chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 4. Here's what I want to do. I want to read through a few verses, just read it to you, all right? And if you're watching this, the verses will be on the screen. And then I want to, I want to walk it back, and then I want to talk it through. And I want to talk it through one behavior at a time so that we can have full understanding of what love is. So that we would know where we're going in relationship when we say, I love you. You got it? All right, 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Maybe you've heard that before at your wedding or at someone else's wedding, or you've heard that, maybe you saw it on Instagram or, or Pinterest when people were talking about love. Paul takes this command of Jesus to love as he has loved us, and we love others that way. And he teases it out for us. He drops it into real life relationships. And so let's, let's walk it back and talk it through one behavior, one characteristic, one action at a time. He begins by saying that love is patient. That love is not pushy, but love always gives room. Love chooses to move at the other person's pace. I am a fast walker. Anywhere I go, I have a really quick pace. And my oldest daughter has my pace. So anytime we're out with a, with a family and we're walking somewhere, Abby and I are always five or six paces ahead of my wife, my son, and my youngest daughter. And there was a moment where my wife was like, why do you walk so fast ahead of me? And I'm like, I'm sorry, it's just my pace, it's my rhythm. And so lately I've found myself slowing myself down to walk next to my family because I'm trying to be a gentleman, I'm trying to be a good husband, right? And so I found myself slowing my pace, slowing my role, so to speak, so that I can walk with my family. That is what love does. Love moves at the pace of the other person. It doesn't sacrifice itself and the good of itself, but what it does is it understands that not everybody is moving at your rhythm, and so it works to move at theirs. It works to walk at their pace. It discovers their pace and then walks in rhythm with them. It finds their capacity and, and fits into their capacity. This is what God, through Jesus Christ, has done for you and for me, he has accommodated to our capacity. See, God could have shown up with thunderbolts and lightning, and it would have been very, very frightening, right? But God didn't. He showed up in the person of Jesus as a baby because he knew that our capacity to understand him would have to start with something that we understand. And so God is patient in his love with us. He moves at our pace and works to bring us into his rhythm. And that's what love does in relationship. If you want to go the distance in relationship, you're going to flex the patient muscle. Love is patient. Then Paul says that love is kind. And I know that kindness can feel kind of soft and weak, but actually kindness is an expression of strength. Unkindness is actually weakness. 
And kindness is something that we all long for, not just in romantic relationships, but in every relationship, in every friendship. Kindness can be called weak sometimes because when people think that you're being kind, they think that you're being complicit to the person's behavior that you might disagree with. But kindness doesn't mean that you're being complicit. Kindness is understanding that I have something, I have strength, I have hope, and I wanna loan it to you. And in order to loan it to you, I wanna build trust with you and I wanna be present with you. Kindness is love's response to weakness. Have you ever asked yourself the question or maybe evaluated yourself like, what, what is your response to weakness? How do you respond to the weakness around you? If you're dating somebody, pay attention to that. Because when you're dating somebody, they're on their best behavior. And if their response to weakness is not kindness, then their response to your weakness will not be kindness, especially after they put a ring on it. Because they're on their best behavior now. Kindness is loaning your strength to somebody. Kindness is love's response to weakness. So love is patient and love is kind. Then Paul says that love does not envy, it is not boastful, and it is not proud. Love allows other people to shine. It steps out of the spotlight even though it deserves to be there. It might have a reason to be in the spotlight. Love isn't threatened by someone else's success. Love doesn't need to add your story to the story being told. In other words, when somebody is talking about how they have been courageous, they've been victorious, something good is happening, it's that moment where you go, oh yeah, well here's what happened in my story, right? And there's nothing in and of itself that's wrong with that, but because love isn't boastful and not envious and not proud, love doesn't need to add to the story. Love listens. Love allows others to shine bright. And the reason why this is hard for us is because often we don't feel good about ourselves. And if you don't feel good about yourself, then it's hard to let others feel good about themselves, isn't it? And if there's something in you that doesn't allow you to let them shine, to celebrate them, then you gotta do some work there. Because Paul says that love does not envy, it's not boastful, it's not proud. This is what God, through Jesus, has done for us. He has lifted us up even though he's God. He didn't come to earth and announce his equality with God and flex on it and throw that down, his resume down and say, here, here I am. He came to serve, came to love. He came to lift us up, to highlight us because he loves us. Paul says love is patient, it's kind, it's not envious, it's not boastful, it's not proud. This one is actually, I think, the biggest deal. He says love does not dishonor others. Love does not behave disgracefully, dishonorably, or indecently. Love doesn't create regret. Love restores and love redeems. Fellas, men, eyes on me. Do you know how unique you would be if starting today you decided for the rest of your life you would not dishonor another woman? You would be unique, unfortunately, in our culture because often men dishonor women every day. Do you know how unique you would be if you chose to not dishonor another woman? If you chose to not dishonor the woman that you're in relationship with? Maybe you're dating, you're coupling, you're engaged, or you're married. Listen, honor is at the center of every satisfying relationship. Honor is at the center of every satisfying relationship. 
and you already know what honor looks like. And here's how I know. Think about you having dinner with that person that you would want to hang out with, whether it be somebody who's changed the world or changed your world, or maybe it's a celebrity or it's an athlete, somebody famous. Think about how you would behave in that moment before you actually had dinner with them. You would know what you would do to prepare. You would know what you would wear. You would know how you would behave. You would bring your best in that moment, wouldn't you? And even if they were late, you wouldn't hold it against them, right? Like if it was Denzel Washington, you'd be like, Denzel, we're glad that you're here. You wouldn't say, Denzel, you're 15 minutes late, right? No, you'd be glad to see him or whoever it is that you would long to have a meal with. You know where you learn that from? Your heavenly father, because he knows how to honor you. He gave of his son for you and for me. Don't just love was his invitation. Love as I have loved you. Now, what I'm going to say next, it can be a bit dangerous, all right? So, and I feel like I need to qualify it, but I'm going to assume that we're all mature, that are watching and listening to this, all right? So here's what I want to say, and, and I'm going to say it, and then I want to talk about it for just a minute, all right? If you're in a relationship where you're dishonored, you need to get out of that relationship. If you're in a relationship where you're dating somebody and they don't honor you, they don't bring their best to you, then you should break up today. And, and if you don't, I really believe that you'll come to the conclusion that you're a dishonorable person. And once you conclude that you're a dishonorable person, you'll live dishonorably. And so if you're in a relationship where honor is not exchanged, it's time to consider not being in that relationship. And listen, I know that this is complicated, and so I don't want you to hear that. Pay attention. I don't want you to hear that and use that as an excuse to escape when you need to put some work in, where you need to actually choose to become someone worth looking for and staying for. So don't use that as an excuse. Pastor Mike said, don't do that because I'm not God. I just think that when honor isn't exchanged in a relationship, it's not healthy and it's not holy because love honors the other person. The real application here is that we would honor each other. Love is patient and kind, it's not envious, it's not boastful, it's not proud. It honors each other. Now, about this point, you might be watching this or listening to this and going, okay, I get it, but I'm just gonna be honest with you, like, like this feels like the worst date ever, right? Or the worst relationship ever. Like, I'm gonna be kind, I'm gonna be patient, I'm gonna get them home early. And you might sound and hear these things and it might sound to you like, ah, yeah, I know I should do that, but you might not be, interested. And and here's why you might not be interested. Because our relationship priority, our relationship priority is all about getting somebody, not becoming somebody. Our relationship priority is all about getting them, not becoming someone worth looking for and staying for. That's why this might actually rub you the wrong way. That's why this might actually be a bit unsettling and uncomfortable. I think instead our relationship priority should be all about serving somebody, not getting somebody. They're not an object or a commodity or a product. And here's the thing. You can continue to be impatient and unkind. You can. It's a free country, right? It's a free world. It's your life. You can do whatever you want to do. But you're not looking for someone that's impatient and unkind, are you? You're looking for someone that is patient and is kind. And if you choose to be impatient and unkind, the problem is, is that they're not going to be looking for you or they don't want to stay with you. So you might say, I don't know if I really want to do this, but you're going to look for people that are like this. So why not choose to become this too or become this first? Be the person worth looking for and 
staying for. I know it's not natural, but that's why we want to work at it, right? This is what love is. Paul continues and he says that love is not self-seeking. It puts the needs and the interests of others before their own. This actually could solve a lot of our relationship problems, right? Because most of our problems is that we're not getting what we want. And and can I just give you a tip for your relationship? Uh, Here's what I would encourage you to do. If you ever find yourself in in a tense-filled moment, a tension-filled moment, you're in an argument, you need to stop, you need to pause, and here's how you can disarm the one that you're in a relationship with. You can look at them and you can say, you know what the problem is here? The problem is, is that I'm not getting what I want. That's, That's gonna be the most disarming thing that you could say to them. Because it will help them to understand that that's why you're fighting. Because you want something and you're not getting it. And they want something and they're not getting it. By the way, the quickest way to see how selfish we really are is to live putting others first. That's the quickest way to find out how selfish we are, is prioritize someone else's interests. And that's why Paul says, this is what love does. And he says that love is not easily angered. The word easily means that it's easy to get angry because we all get angry. The word word anger literally means to be stirred up. In high school, we, we would say that somebody's all fired up. That was a long time ago. But now we talk about people getting stirred up, like their heart beats faster, their emotions run high, their adrenaline is high, and they're mad and they're angry. And love doesn't get easily angered. In fact, love absorbs. Love understands that there's a moment where you need to pause and listen and take it in. Love doesn't react. Love responds. Love puts their story ahead of your story. And isn't it true that when anger is present, it actually has to do with story? The conflict is around story, right? This is my experience. These are my feelings. These are my emotions. This is my trauma. And this is where it's coming from. And when you choose to not be easily angered, but actually absorb it and listen, you're actually holding space for them to be able to find healing, to be able to be holy, to be able to move in the direction of Jesus. (laughs) And here's the the truth. Doesn't doesn't everybody's behavior make sense to them? And if you're going to get mad at their behavior, that'll make sense to you because you don't understand their behavior. But what if instead you decided to listen to them? and understand where they're coming from. And I also know that there's some of us that believe that, well, if I find the right person, they're not gonna make me angry. And here's the thing, you would be right. Because nobody makes you angry. All they do is just bring out what's already in you. Nobody nobody can bring out that unless you allow that to happen. Maybe you would think like, well, they just push my buttons. Yeah, they might push your buttons, but the, the, the issue there is that it's your buttons, right? This is a you problem, not a them problem. Love is not easily angered. And, and maybe that's not an issue for you, but it can be an issue in relationship. Love is patient and kind. It's not envious, boastful, proud. It is not self-seeking. It honors the other person. It's not easily angered. And then Paul says it keeps no records of wrong. Love, love keeps short accounts. Like love never starts a conversation this way. Six weeks ago, seven months ago, eight years ago, you did this. No, love keeps short accounts. And by the way, have you ever noticed that relational record keepers, those that keep account of what you've done wrong, have you ever noticed that they rarely keep track of their own wrongs? (laughs) And maybe that's you. 
Maybe you like to keep track of their wrongs, but never actually keep track of your own. Do you enjoy catching your significant other, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, the one you're engaged or coupling with? Do you enjoy catching them doing something wrong or messing up? Can I just be honest with you as a friend, as a pastor? Can I just tell you, like, that's messed up? You should stop it. Because love keeps no record of wrong. That love chooses to forgive like you've forgotten. Even though you haven't forgotten, love chooses to forgive because that's what Jesus has done for us. In fact, the psalm, the psalmist writes about what God does with our sin. He says that as far as the east is from the west, so far I have removed your transgressions from you. Keeping record is, is trying to flex on power. It's trying to be the power broker in relationship. So the question you have to wrestle with is who has the power in your relationship, you or them? Or do you want God to have the power? And if God has the power, here's what you need to know. The love of God in you does not power up. Love always steps down because it's patient and kind. It's not envious, boastful, or proud. It doesn't keep record of wrong. It doesn't dishonor the other person. It, it, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't harm. And then Paul wraps up this conversation about love with these words. He says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. Love protects. Love doesn't smuggle in things into the relationship. Love doesn't keep secrets. Love doesn't try to get away with anything. But I think often we try to get away with certain things. If you're trying to smuggle something into your relationship that your significant other doesn't know about, you're not protecting your relationship. If you're hiding something, you're not protecting your relationship. Love chooses to see the best and hope the best and believe the best and chooses to overlook all of the rest. This is what love does. Love enjoys catching people doing good things. I heard a friend say this to me one time that was so helpful for Tiff and I in our, in our marriage. When there's a gap between what is ideal and what is real, you have a choice to either assume the worst or believe the best. And the invitation from this friend of mine was to fill that gap with believing the best. Because that's what love does. It's not naive. It's just choosing to believe the best because you anticipate that the one that you love and you're in a relationship with wouldn't do the thing that maybe you're thinking they would do. And so you're going to talk to them. You're going to ask them because love keeps short accounts, right? When you, when you say the words, I love you, this is where it leads. It's patient and kind. It's not envious, boastful, or proud. It's not self-seeking. It honors the other person. It doesn't keep record of wrong and it does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. When you say the words, I love you, this is where we're going. When you say the words, I love you, this is what relationship looks like. When you say, I love you, this is the hope. When you wonder what this might look like for you, this is what it looks like. When you wonder what it might do to you, this is what it will do to you. And if you think you can't get there, what, what's so beautiful about the gospel of Jesus is that he said, I will begin a good work in you and we'll be faithful to complete it. So you don't have to be afraid of the word love. You don't have to be afraid to say, I love you. It's not that you're going to be perfect. It's just that you are going to choose a new direction. This is where we're going. And by the way, Paul understands that this might feel a bit heavy. It might feel a bit unrealistic. And so he summarizes everything that he just said with these next powerful words. And I think that these are the most helpful words we can talk about today. 
He is dropping in this command to love others as Jesus has loved us in our romantic relationships. He gives us all of these definitions and all of these behaviors and all of these characteristics. And then he concludes this way. Hey, maybe this will help. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When, when I was a child, I talked like a child and I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. In other words, what he's saying is, is no one criticized me because I was a kid. I was, I was young. I was immature. And so when I did something stupid, they're like, well, he's a kid. Well, he's young. Well, he's immature. But then he pauses and then gives us this really powerful statement. He says, but when I became an adult, I put childish ways behind me. Listen, if you want to love like Jesus has loved you in your relationship, then you're going to grow up. This is Paul's gentle way of telling us to grow up. I'm just going to be very ungentle with you. It's time to grow up. It's time to put away those childish ways of relationship. Like, we need to abandon our once upon a time stories about love because they are once upon a time fairy tale stories. And we need to embrace the grown up way of relationship. And that way begins and ends with Jesus' command to love as he has loved us. You want to become a person worth looking for and staying for? You want your relationship to be one that you are excited about and is moving in a healthy and holy and godly direction? You're going to choose to love and you're going to choose to love and express patience and kindness and goodness. You're going to choose to love and not be self-seeking. You're going to choose to love and you're going to extend forgiveness. You're going to choose to love and you're going to honor them. You're going to believe the best about them. You're not going to be naive. You're going to be wise. This is where we're going, friends. This is the invitation. It's time to grow up. And so instead of giving you a challenge or homework for this week, here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to pray for your future relationship or for the relationship that you are currently in. I want to invite you, and when I say pray, I want to invite you to lay that relationship, the story of that relationship, the people in that relationship, the narrative of that relationship before the God who writes better stories. And we're going to we're going to pray for you and for them and for the future, them. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to just pray along with me. And so let's pray together. God, I pray for our relationships. And I pray that you would open our eyes to four intentional things. God, may we not be selfish, but think of ourselves less. God, may we not be easily angered, but listen to understand. God, may we live in freedom because we have forgiven them. And God, may we grow and mature and be more like Jesus because that's the best way to live in life and in our relational life. God, may we love. May we say that we love. And then may our lives display your love in us, through us. In Jesus' name. And together we say, amen and amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you were inspired. We hope you were encouraged by today's 
message. Hey, I wanna ask you to do two things. First thing, hit that subscribe button to stay connected to the Active Churches podcast. The second thing I wanna invite you to do is go onto your social media accounts, Instagram and Facebook, and go to Active Churches. Stay connected to the community because together we can tell a better story.